You're listening to another premier old-time radio program at Pedango.com and also a proud member of the Blueberry Community. Another Humphrey Camardella production. Hi everybody, I'm Wong Hughes, and welcome to Thanks for the Memories. Here's Jack Armstrong from December 26, 1940. Jack Armstrong, the all-American boy. Wave the pipe for us and high, boys. Show them how we stand. Ever shall our team be champion, known throughout the land. Wheaties, breakfast of champions, bring you the thrilling adventures of Jack Armstrong, the all-American boy. Say, here's an imaginary scene that's probably pretty familiar to you. It's about seven in the morning. Chuck Hale is sound asleep. The covers pulled tightly over his head. Charles Hale, turn off that alarm clock right now and get up. All right, Mother. I'll be right down. But ten minutes later, we find Chuck still in bed and... Charles, are you up? I'll be up in a minute, Mom. The next week, Mrs. Hale had a swell idea. Guess what it was yet? Okay, I'll tell you. She saw to it that Chuck got a big breakfast of champions every morning. Yes, sir, a big bowl of crisp, crackling Wheaties with lots of milk and topped off with sliced bananas or some other fruit. Now, here's what happened when Chuck knew that a breakfast of champions was waiting for him every morning. Listen. Boy, that floor is cold. Where's my slippers? This one fellow is going to get dressed in record time. Mom! Mom! What is it, Charles? Have you got my Wheaties ready? They're on the table waiting for you. I'll be there in just a second. Hot dog, Wheaties with bananas. Hey, Mom! Yes, Charles? Better get me a couple of helpings of those Wheaties. I'm hungry as a bear. Yes, I don't know of any breakfast that makes quite such a solid hit with a high-powered appetite as this breakfast combination of Wheaties, milk or cream, and fruit. It's got the kind of flavor that ought to make second helpings a regular thing at your house. Why, say, once you've tasted a breakfast of champions, I'm willing to bet my old mustache cup you'll be an A-number-one Wheaties fan from here on in. Now, look, why don't you ask Mother right now, before you do another thing... To get the makings of a breakfast of champions from the grocer the very next time she shops. Then eat a man-sized helping of Wheaties, milk, and fruit every morning from now on. See about getting that supply of Wheaties right now. And now, Jack Armstrong, the all-American boy. Gray and angry dawn is breaking over the storm-swept China Sea. Great gray-bearded waves are rolling in toward the Luzon coast, and wind-torn clouds are scudding overhead. The two-masted schooner Spindrift, under reef sails, is driving through these heavy seas on her way to the Sulu Sea in search for some precious uranium-235 lost on the sunken yacht. On board the Spindrift are Jack and Billy and Betty and Uncle Jim and the Filipino sailor Michelle. All night long, they have forced the spindrift into the teeth of the gale, trying to get away from the power schooner Black Shark. The international adventurer, Dr. Shapato, and his crew are aboard the Black Shark, and they're following the spindrift to the Sulu Sea, hoping to steal the precious uranium when it is found. And now, as the first light of day softens the stormy night, Uncle Jim is at the wheel, and Michelle is helping him. Betty is below asleep. And Jack and Billy are struggling to get down the porcelain in the rising wind. Listen. Is your lifeline made fast, Billy? Another one of these waves is going to sweep aboard in a minute. You'll bet it's made fast, Jack. I'll never forget the time that you were swept overboard in the Pacific. And it'd be worse if one of us went overboard now, Billy. Still too dark to see anything. I wish it were light enough to see if the black shark is anywhere near us. It'll be light enough soon. And now let's tackle this porcelain. 
going to be a job to get it down the throat in this wind. Okay, Jack. I'll take the big halyard. You take the throat. Let it on, Billy. Look at that sail with the bounce. Oh, hold it, Jack. My halyard is stuck. Stay there, Billy. I'll grab hold of the canvas and start rolling. Okay. You left the catch back with the canvas on the fly, Jack. Oh, there you are. Good boy. Uh, it's just a strong hold onto a wildcat. Okay, Billy, she's free now. Throw her away. This is one time I'm glad we had the old-fashioned gap race, Jack. If the sail hitter comes out on a slide, it jams, shivers, anything. But this old-fashioned rig is the only rig for a storm, Billy. There, she's down now. Now the real puzzle begins. Let's try and gather in that canvas. We'll have to manhandle it in a big way, Jack. This wind wants to tear us to pieces. All right, we're getting it in, Billy. Don't let go. I'm trying to jerk loose. I'm getting some of it in. Hang on to it, Billy. I'll pass the line around. Ah, that's getting it, Jack. I'll get the rest of the sail in now. Atta boy. We'll soon have this wildcat paid. Here, I'll pass the line around the rest of it. Hey, the ship rides better now, Jack, with just the mainsail and jib drawing. Well, we've still got the rail under, but she does ride a lot better. Let's get back to the cockpit. Let your lifeline slide along the stanchion table. This lifeline and I'll never be parted. I hope. I'll feel safer when we're back in the cockpit. We're going to have green water switching the deck soon. The boat was all tucked away, Uncle Jim. Good work, Jack. That takes some of the strain off the ship. And it hasn't cut our speed any either, Uncle Jim. This double reef mainsail will give us all the speed we can manage in this sea, Billy. You haven't picked up the black shark yet, have you, Jack? It's still too dark to see much, Uncle Jim. All I can see are the tops of the waves and the spray flying about. I think I can make out the Luzon coast against the eastern sky several miles off the porch. Jump and Jupiter, we're quite a ways off to sea. Mm, that's where we want to be, Billy. The lee shore is a dangerous thing in the storm. Suppose I go below and try to get another radio report on the typhoon, Uncle Jim. No, let Billy go, Jack. I may need you here on deck to help Michelle if we have to run up a storm sail. I'll go, Uncle Jim. Let me know if you see the black shark. We'll tell you if we see her, Billy. You get to that radio. Wait a minute. Don't forget to unstrap your lifeline. There it is, Jack. I hope that typhoon isn't getting any closer. If the black shark is close to us, Uncle Jim, we'll see her soon. Help me look for her, Michelle. We look, Senor Jack, but maybe black shark got sent. Maybe she go back to Manila. Well, that would be the sensible thing to do, Michelle. But I'll bet a million the black shark doesn't go back to Manila. I'll bet she's somewhere in the offing hoping to catch sight of us for daybreak. I'm afraid you're right, Jack. The black shark isn't going to give up until she knows that the typhoon will swoop down on us. Say, Uncle Jim, look how that mainsail is straining. No wonder the canvas doesn't rip to pieces. It will rip to pieces if this wind gets much worse, Jack. Take a look at the barometer and see what the bad news is. Hand me the barometer, Michelle. It's hanging just inside the companion hatch. Be good barometer. Here. Here it is. Me uh, no like what he say. Boy, I don't like it either. It dropped three points, Uncle Jim. At this rate, it'll soon be down to 27 inches. Mm, that's a typhoon reading in any ocean, Jack. But if the center of the storm is still moving westward, it won't get any worse. And if it suddenly moves north, it's just too bad. Look, senor. Me see black shark. You see the black shark? Where, Michelle? Over this way. See? There she is, Jack. To windward of it. What? Why, she's close to it. The wonder we didn't see her sooner. We're between her and shore, Jack. She'll never let us out of her sight again if she can help us. What we do now, Captain Jerryfield? We go back to Manila, huh? No, Michelle. We're not turning back to Manila now. We'll get another chance to slip away from her tonight. It'll be too good a chance to miss. We'll never get away from her in good weather. But what if typhoon comes this way, Captain Fairyfield? We'll decide about that after we get the latest radio reports on the storm, Michelle. I'm not afraid to take this spin drift into a typhoon, but I don't believe the black shark is dare to face a real blow. Look, Uncle Jim. I think the black shark is changing her course. She's going to close in on us. Mm, it looks that way, Jack. She wants to get us there to us as she can, naturally. Well, here comes Billy from below. Hi, Billy. Look what we picked up off the starboard. Sulfur and catfish. How did the black shark get so close look, without our seeing her? It was just too dark for us to see her before, that's all. Did you get any reports of the typhoon on the radio, Billy? I'll say I did. I just came up to tell you all about it. Did the report say which way the storm was heading, Billy? No, it didn't, Uncle Jim. But a tanker sent out an SOS in the North Zulu Sea. She reported that she was in the exact center of the typhoon. In the North Zulu Sea, eh? Hmm, that's not so good. The center of the storm must be moving northward, Uncle Jim. Hmm, not quite, Jack. More northwestward. If it holds that course, you'll still miss it. What if it bears north, Uncle Jim? We'll run right into it. Well, perhaps, Billy. Watch it. There's a big wave coming aboard. Hold on, Billy. She's going to sweep the deck. Look at her come. Oh. 
That's our first real donkey in a storm, Billy. Yeah. And I'll bet you there's lots more where that came from. Oh, jump and kill me. There's Betty coming up from the forward cabin. She better be careful. Betty, put on that lifeline before you come out. I will, Uncle Jim. I'm putting it on now. Hi, right, Betty, why did you come on deck? You didn't get any sleep last night. I couldn't sleep, In that case, Jack. The typhoon must be coming nearer, Uncle Jim. I've never seen such a wind. Why, I can hardly stand up against it. It is getting worse, Betty. Billy, suppose you run below and stick to the radio. We want to keep posted on that typhoon. All right, Uncle Jim. Move over, Betty, so I can get down the companionway. Okay. Uh, thanks. I'll get you the latest news. I can see Chappelle on the deck of the Black Shark, Uncle Jim. And there's Lazaro and Blackbeard with him, too. I imagine that Chappelle and Lazaro wish that we'd remain back in Manila, Jack. I wouldn't care to be out in a typhoon with a black shark under me. She's too old to ship. Say, Uncle Jim, maybe they aren't just trying to close in on us. Maybe they're working into some shelter from the storm. Well, that's possible, Jack. Though so right now, the weather isn't quite bad enough to force them to shelter. But, Uncle Jim, maybe they've heard that the typhoon is going to strike near here. Maybe that's why they're working in the storm. Well, if that's the case, we'll still get the news ourselves, Betty. The black shark is going to cross our stern soon if she holds that course, Uncle Jim. She'll give us plenty of seaway, Jack. She won't risk smashing into us in this sea. We'd all go to the bottom if she did. Hey, look at Billy. He's popping up with bad news written all over his face. What does our board say, Billy? Any news of the path of the typhoon? You bet there's news, Uncle Jim. Typhoon signal number seven is up in Manila. Number seven, Billy? Already? That's what it said, Uncle Jim. And everyone in Manila is warned that the typhoon may strike somewhere around here this afternoon. Get back to the radio, Billy. Get all the latest reports. I'll stick by it, Uncle Jim. That explains why the black shark is working in toward shore, Uncle Jim. They received word of the typhoon. We go back, Captain Patty. We go back to Manila now? We haven't time to get back to Manila, Michelle. That typhoon will be blasting away at us in a few hours. We just get caught in Manila Bay with a lee shore and not enough sea room. But what can we do, Uncle Jim? We've got to get to shore somewhere. I don't know about that, Betty. I don't want to find myself beating off a lee shore when the typhoon strikes. Every bit of canvas will go by the board. A dozen anchors wouldn't hold us. There's a landlocked cove in the Luzon shore not far from here, Uncle Jim. Maybe we can get in there. That's probably where the black shark is going, Jack. Come below with me and we'll take a look at the chart. Michelle, take the wheel. Hold her on this course until I come back. Aye, aye, just be hold for Come on below, Jack. Watch your step, Uncle Jim. Now, well, Jack. Stick to that radio, Billy. Never mind us. Now, pull out the chart of these waters, Jack. It's the one on top. All right. Here it is, Uncle Jim. I'll spread it out on the table. Better hold on tight. We're pitching like a bucking bronco. Yeah. Here's that landlocked cove, Jack. I'm sure the black shark is going to find shelter there. We certainly don't want to be in there with her. Not with that band of ruffians aboard. Well, here's another cove further down the coast, Uncle Jim. We could go in there. No, not on your life, Jack. It's not protected enough. We'd be caught there when the typhoon struck and we'd drag every anchor and be smashed on the rocks. But there are no other coves, Uncle Jim. And we haven't time to get back to Manila. I know, Jack. There's only one thing for us to do now. We've got a few hours before the typhoon hits. We can carry sail all morning. You mean that... I mean the safest thing for us to do now is to get as many miles as we can between us and shore. Then when the typhoon hits, we'll hold to with a storm tysle. And when that blows to pieces, we'll put out our sea anchor and a bag of oil and ride the typhoon out. This storm may be a blessing in disguise. Did you get that? Uncle Jim is going to ride the typhoon out. While the black sharks seek shelter, Uncle Jim and Jack and the others are going to take the spindrift into the teeth of the storm. They know the spindrift is a sturdy ship. You've heard of hurricanes, haven't you? Well, let me tell you that a Philippine typhoon is a couple of hurricanes rolled into one with a couple of gales to spare. If you want to see what a real typhoon is like, be sure to listen in tomorrow to an experience you won't forget in a windswept, storm-tossed episode of The Adventure of the Sunken Reef with Jack Armstrong, the all-American boy. Look, if you've been thinking of treating yourself to a breakfast of champions one of these mornings, let me give you a tip. There's no time like the present to get in on the extra-good eating this combination of Wheaties, milk, and fruit is handing out. 
So tomorrow morning, for sure, have a nourishing, extra good breakfast of champions. Have you tried Wheaties? They're whole wheat with all of the brand. This is Franklin McCormick saying goodbye until tomorrow for General Mills, makers of Wheaties, Breakfast of Champions, who have just presented another episode of Jack Armstrong, The All-American Boy. So just buy Wheaties, the best breakfast food in the land. Wave the fight for Hudson High, boys. Show them how we stand. Ever shall I be Here's another part of the Friday Night Show from July 29, 2005. And I think you have more Bing Crosby memorabilia besides what you have. Mm-hmm. This, and it's, it's... Well, now, Bing Crosby, you know, I have a an ad uh, that I cut out of a magazine years ago, a color ad, with Bing Crosby when he was on the air for Chesterfield. Mm. I'm sure you have one of those. I don't know if I have a Chesterfield ad, but we have Chesterfield cigarettes. Right, well, he he used to be sponsored by Chesterfield. As a matter of fact, Bing Crosby, Bob Hope, Arthur Godfrey, and Perry Como mm. all used to be sponsored by Chesterfield, I think, in 1950. Right. One of the radio shows I gave uh, Kim at the time were in Chicago. They got together for a Chesterfield convention, and Perry Como, Bing Crosby, and Arthur Godfrey are on the show uh-huh. uh, together. Hmm. And so we have that on now on CD. We even have a um, little uh, coffee display. It's two little glass pots. Looks like you might have poured like maybe a cup of coffee in each one, and it's a Gracie Allen and George Burns. Oh, Maxwell House. They were on Maxwell House, yeah. Yeah, it's real cute. It's just a little, it's almost the size, the little glass pot that you pour your coffee in is about the size of a grapefruit. And there's two of those in the little cardboard display, and it has their pictures right on it. And that's in the general store. Do you have anything with Pepsi there with Bob Hope? Mm, no, I don't. We I don't need to find some. We need to find something with that. Yeah, yeah. he was on for Pepsi for many, many years. Sure. Mm-hmm. I still even use Pepsi toothpaste today, just in memory of Bob Hope. Do you? Uh-huh. <laughs> yep, and Minute Maid uh, orange juice I like because of Bing Crosby. Because I remember his commercials for that Minute Maid orange juice way back then. He used to say that uh, Bing Crosby owned part of the Minute Maid company. He did. Hmm. Did he? Yep. Okay, Kim and I, Kim picked up some uh, Minute Maid lemonade uh, for me today and and for Bill and Kim, and for Bill. And we, I was asking who's now the ownership. And she looked on the container and she said Coca-Cola. Mm-hmm. Oh, does Coca-Cola own it now? Uh-huh. Yeah. And I don't know when that happened. But I remember Bing being on there with his hat on and whistling, drinking a, bo- a glass of orange juice. And I always said, when I was old enough, because you know when you're a kid, you never get what you want. <laughs> when I'm old enough, I'm going to buy me some of that orange juice for, with Bing Crosby on it. But, you know, I think he was done selling it when I got old enough to buy my own orange juice. <laughs> uh, he did pretty well. Um, not only was he a great singer uh, and a very fine actor and a uh, a good vaudevillian and radio personality, but he also owned uh, several. Didn't he own a baseball team? He at owned the time? Pick, he owned the Pittsburgh Pirates in the right. 40s. Right, and he owned the Ampex company. He owned, start yeah, that Am- yeah. He bankrolled Ampex. That's how come we have the real to real and everything. Right. And he and Pat O'Brien opened and started Delmar Racetrack uh, back in 1937. And I keep telling Kim she needs to come out sometime. During the Del Mar race track season, at the beginning of the races and at the end of the races the, t- today, even today, t- and now it's Del Mar season at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, 10 before 2, and right after 6 o'clock, you'll hear Bing Crosby's recording Would a Surf Meet the Turf down at Old Del Mar. Oh, and they play that? They play that. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so, because of memory of Bing. Hmm. And I think Bing uh, and... Uh, uh, he owned part of a uh, of a 
booze company at one time mm -hmm. in uh, a, Me a Mexican uh, tequila, hmm. uh, and he owned it with um, uh, oh, who was the singer that uh, uh, that had an afternoon Sunday afternoon show with his wife. Uh, help me out. Please. I'm trying to think. Wait. I'm trying to think. Uh, operatic. Um, NBC. NBC. And uh, they had two daughters. Was a situation comedy. Oh, Archie uh, 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 Nelson. No, no, no. Sunday afternoon. Uh, and and he was also on the Jack Benny show as the orchestra. Bill Harris. Oh. Bill Harris. Bill Harris. Of course. Oh. Bill Harris and Bing Crosby uh, owned uh, a liquor company in the later years too. I know they. I know Bing also believe in some experimental companies down in Mexico. Uh, Case my friend Kitty knew being the time when he was married to Dixie, uh -huh. and this is the time when she used to date uh, the famous songwriter Jimmy Van Susan. Right. And uh, Bing was already buying land in Mexico to for experimental research, and Kitty asked me, "Well, ask Catherine sometime whatever happened to that property." And so I talked to Catherine, and she said, "Well, Bing eventually got rid of it, you know." But uh. Bing was always willing to give a shot here or a shot there. I know Bing and Bob Hope uh, were partners on some oil wells, I believe, in Texas. I think that's where they've got a lot of their money. Yeah. And then I think Bing and Bob took a shot on a experimental soft drink, and that went right down the drain. I don't know what happened. Uh, Six up, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if they had just tried one more. Yeah, they would have made it, 7-Up. <laughs> That's right. You got that right, Kim. Well, you've got an interesting house. And you might mention to the people how big your train is. Now, you know, they may think we're talking about a little train that uh, is a miniature that runs on a little track. This is something that you can ride in like you you find at a... Uh, uh, at a uh, uh, Shopping mall. Yeah, right. And I think it's even the same size you'll see in the kids section at the uh, in the amusement parks. We have three cars on it: the engine, caboose, and a little passenger car now. And each car will hold uh, two adults comfortably, or four children. Uh huh. And it runs on um, oh DC like 45 volts or something. Bill says you can get down there and lick the track and you won't get shocked. <laughs> <laughs> so I trust him. So if I ever decide to lick the track, I'll know I'll be okay. <laughs> and Send Elvis down to lick the track. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Tie him to it. Like, you remember, um, was it Nell was always getting tied to the railroad track way yeah. back when? And yeah. And by, by the dastardly whatever. Yeah, the and, villain. Yeah. yeah, and Dudley was always a saving her. <laughs> we'll do that to Elvis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's... Now, here's Cavalcade of America. Company of Wilmington, Delaware, makers of better things for better living through chemistry, presents The Cavalcade of America, starring Bobby Driscoll. We transcribed a special Christmas story for tonight, a true story we presented four years ago during the holiday season, the day they gave babies away. Our star, Bobby Driscoll, plays the part of Robbie. This is a true story. It happened to a small boy. His father was dead, and he lived with his mother and his brothers and sisters in a little town on the Fox River in Wisconsin. And the boy's name was... Robbie! Robbie! Yes, Mama? Better clean this lamp tomorrow. Can't see where I'm stitching. You ought to go to bed, Mama. Gotta finish this shirt waist for Mrs. Runyon. Oh, crow face. That ain't a good way to talk, Robbie. 
I hate Mrs. Runyon. Mrs. Runyon was very kind to give me this sewing to do. She sure lets you know she's kind, too. You'd think she was giving us charity or something. It's just the way she is, Robbie. She means well. Oh, will you pick up that spool of thread for me, dear? Thank you. I wish you'd let me get a job at the logging camp up at Berlin, Mom. The cook said he'd take me on as his helper. Not till you finish sixth grade. Oh, that won't be before next spring. If I pass. Your papa wouldn't want you going to work without an education, Robbie. Neither would papa want you sitting up all night sewing for old crow face. Robbie! I'm sorry, Mama. How about Saturdays? Can I work at the camp on Saturdays? It'd be a big help if you would, Robbie. A real big help. Cottage Kirk, I'm trying to do my geography. Mama said I have to practice, Jimmy. Oh. I like to hear Kirk play. That shows what friends you got, Annabelle. Can't you do it in a woodshed, Kirk? No. What's the matter with Jane? She broke up. We'll pick her up, Elizabeth. I push it. You kid. Come on, Jane. Up you get. I hear Robbie outside. Yeah, here comes Robbie. I heard him first. No, I did. I heard him first. No, I heard him first. I did. I heard you first. Didn't I, Robbie? She didn't. I did. No, I did. All right, all right. Both did. Now let me in the house. Hi, Rob. Hello, Kurt. How much did you make today, Rob? Same as last week. How's chances on taking me next Saturday? Oh, you're too young for this work, Jimmy. I'm only a year younger than you. Two years. A year. All right, a year and ten months then. What's the difference? Well, it ain't two years. Will you take me next Saturday? Mama needs you around here, Jimmy. Oh. Where is Mama? Mama's laying down. Does she feel bad, Annabelle? She's tired. She's laying down. Well, I'm going to tell her I'm back. Mama. I'm awake, Robbie. Do you feel all right? A little tired, that's all. I can work full time up at the camp, if you'll let me, Mama. I think you better finish school, Jimmy. I'm Robbie, Mama. Oh. Are you sure you're all right? I'm... Tired and got a little upset stomach. That's all. You want me to get Dr. Delbert? We got no money to spend on doctors, Robbie. All I need is a night's sleep. All right, then. Good night, Mama. Good night, Robbie. Dr. Delbert. Come on, Robbie. I, I think she'll sleep for a while now. What's the matter with her, Dr. Delbert? Typhoid fever. Oh. It's bad, ain't it? Your mama's a very sick woman. A very sick woman. Do you understand, Robbie? You mean... You mean she might not get better? Well, we can always hope. But I want you to come a-running if there's any change. So I'll be here every morning and every night to see her. But in the meantime, you better get Mrs. Cummings next door to come in and take over. She's gone. She's down to Ormo visiting her daughter till after New Year's. Oh. Well, you ought to have somebody... We'll get along. I'll stay home from school. <laughs> You'd uh, kind of like that, don't you, boy? Yeah. But not on account of Mama. <laughs> You're a good lad. Uh, Mrs. Delbert will be over every now and then to look in on you. Don't worry about us. 
will be fine. All right now. We're all going in and say hello to Mama. Is she better? Well, she knew me this morning. Mama's been delirious. Dr. Delpit said so. Don't you go say anything to her about it. Is Mama going to be well for Christmas? And don't go asking her that either. Come on. Oh, for Pete's sake, somebody write Janie's nose. You want Mama to see her like that? All right, I'll do it. Here we are. Hi, Mama. Hello, children. Are you better, Mama? I guess so. Are you being good children? Oh, yes, yes Mama. Annabelle took my hair ribbon. I did not. You did too. I did not. Did you cut that. Mama don't want to hear about no hair ribbon. We're all getting on fine, Mama. I've been practicing. I'm learning a piece for Christmas. That's nice, Kurt. Jane talked. She said dog. Say dog, Jane. Oh, Annabelle. Mama don't want to hear Jane say dog. Not now. Uh, you want to sleep some more, Mama? Isn't it time for school? School is over, Mama. It's supper time. Oh. I wondered why it was so dark. Come on. We'll let her sleep. Is Mama all right, Robbie? Sure. Sure, come on. Robbie. Yes, Mama? Robbie, you stay. Yes, Mama. Robbie. I'm going to die. No. No, you ain't, Mama. I can tell, Robbie. You mustn't go grieving because there won't be time. I'm going to get Dr. Delbert. No. No, not yet, Robbie. First, I... I got to tell you what to do about the children. They're all nice, good children, Robbie. You got to get decent homes for them. Understand? Yes, Mama. I... I guess six is too many for... Any one family to take, so you'll have to break up. I want you to see they all get homes where they get the same kind of love they had here. I, I will, Mama. You're all used to brothers and sisters. Better try to find families with children of their own. So you won't be so lonesome for each other. I better get Dr. Delbert. No. No, wait. Tyler's and the Ravens are good people. The Ravens like Jimmy a lot. And then there's... I I can't think. None of us have to go to Mrs. Runyon's, do we? I don't want any of you going where you won't be happy, Robbie. Not if you can help it. You've got to decide who's right and who isn't. Don't let anyone else tell you. You're to decide. Remember. I will, Mama. You watch out for the others. Go and see to it as often as you can. They're taken care of. Robbie. Get a good place for yourself. Promise me? I'll I'll get along all right, Mama. Don't worry about me. I know you will, Robbie. I know you all will. I thought it was such a touching funeral, Dr. Delbert. But those poor little children, Mrs. Rodney. Whatever will become of them. Yes, Mrs. Tyler. Those poor children. Well, I guess we'd better get the boys in here. Robbie! Jimmy! Do you want us, Dr. Delbert? Yes, come in, Robbie. 
We want to talk to you and Jimmy. Yes, sir. Well, then, it's not easy to say, boys, but you unsent children will have to be put out for adoption. We know that, Dr. Delbert. <laughs> I'm afraid we can't expect any one family to take on six youngsters. We don't, but we've been figuring out what folks might be talked into taking one apiece of you. Now, there must be six families in this town to whom duty means more than inconvenience. Uh, there's the McDonald's, for instance. There's... Excuse me, Mrs. Ryan. You mean to be kind, I know. But I'm the oldest one. And Mama said I was to decide where we were to go. Oh, why, you're just a little boy. Just the same. Mama said it was my responsibility. That's ridiculous. How could a child your age be expected to know what's good for children? Uh, doctor, I say we should decide here and now where these young'uns are to be packed off to. Yeah, well, you may be right. Look, Dr. Delbert, tomorrow's Christmas. It'll probably be our last chance to be together on Christmas. Wouldn't you please go away now and leave us alone? The day after tomorrow we can decide about this. I don't see why we don't settle things right now. To be together on Christmas seems very much to ask, is it? No. No, you're right, James. That's not very much to ask. It certainly isn't, Jimmy. Well, we'll see you boys day after tomorrow. Coming, Mrs. Runyon? Jimmy, I want to talk to you. What do you want, Robbie? Listen, as soon as Kirk and the girls are in bed, we got to make a list of all the families in this town who'd appreciate children and raise them right. Why don't we do that tomorrow? We'll be calling on the people then. Oh, but you told Dr. Delbert you'd wait until the day after. I know that, but Mama told me I was to decide. They won't let me. You heard Mrs. Runyon. We can't wait. Besides, tomorrow is Christmas. We ought to be able to get just about anybody we want to take us in on Christmas. that be? Everybody should be home enjoying their Christmas dinner this time of day. Hello, Mrs. Tyler. Why, Robbie Unson and one of your little sisters. Why, well, I thought you'd be with the Bradleys or the Delberts. Come in, children. Come in. I'm Annabelle. Yeah. She's my little sister, Annabelle. Hello there, Annabelle. Howard, look who's here. Why, Bob and Annabelle. Good. You'll have Christmas dinner with us, and we won't take no, will we, Emma? We certainly will not. I'm begging your pardon, Mrs. Tyler. But, well, I, I was wondering, that is, Jimmy and I was wondering, if you didn't need, well... Yes, Robbie? Well, if you didn't need sort of a sister for Howie and Bruce. Annabelle here's a good little girl. She'd be an awful help to you. She's, well, that is, she was learning to sew. She can wipe the dishes, and she knows her ABCs. Well, Annabelle, do you think you're going to like living at our house? Oh, she'll like it a lot, Mr. Tyler. She likes anybody that's good to her. We'll be good to her, Rob. I guess you and I know each other. Sure. I know you, Mr. Tyler.
Jimmy. Oh, here he comes now. What's the matter? Wouldn't the potters take her? They've gone away. Oh, boy, now what do we do? We can't keep her out much longer. She's getting blue. How about the Carters? They live close. Somebody's coming in a sleigh. Hey, look. It's old man Stevens and his wife. What about them? He's a school principal. Elizabeth won't care. She's a girl. Well, they haven't got children. Maybe they don't like them. The only way to find out is to ask, Jimmy. Mr. Stevens? Oh, Mr. Stevens? Oh, Hello, Mr. and Mrs. Stevens. Well, hello there, Robbie. I... I was just coming to see you. Oh, you were? Mr. Stevens and I have been over to your house, Robbie. We wanted to see if there was anything we could do. Well, there is. That is, well, it's quite a lot to ask. But I thought since you and Mr. Stevens didn't have any children, you might like Elizabeth. That's her. Uh, that is she. Take her? What do you mean? Well, sort of adopt her. She doesn't look very pretty right now. But you learn to like her. Mama and Papa did. She's quiet. I'm cold. Usually. Quiet, Elizabeth. Mama never had any favorites. But if she had any, well, I guess Elizabeth would have been the one. Wouldn't she, Jimmy? Sure. Wouldn't you, Elizabeth? I'm cold. Oh, look, Frank. Her eyes are like yours. Hmm. So they are. So they are. She's a little bit hard to understand at first. She lisps. But you'd get used to that. You bet we'll get used to that. You crawl right up in this sleigh, little girl. Up see Daisy. There we are. And get under this robe here, darling. That's it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you boys come to see us now whenever you can. Whenever. Whenever we can. Yeah. Goodbye, Robbie. Goodbye, Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Did you see that? Elizabeth jumped right into Mrs. Stevens' arms, as if she'd known her all her life. And she'd never had a mama. Kids forget awful fast. Yeah. Rob! Rob! Hey, here's Kirk. Rob, I've been looking every place for you. Mrs. Runyon's at the house, says so she's going to take Jane. What? Rob, what do we do? Come on. We'll tell Mrs. Runyon she just can't have her. Come on. <laughs> I'm only trying to get your coat on. You can't go out in this weather without it. Oh, oh, Stop this, I said. Mrs. Runyon, what are you doing? Yes, what are you doing? I'm going to take Jane home with me to live. My conscience is after me all night. We well, can't have her. Why not? It's my duty. Well, I'm sorry, Mrs. Runyon, but Jane's already promised. Who to? Huh? Nobody you know. I know everybody in this town. Well, these folks don't live in this town. They, they live way up in Berlin. By whose authority are these children being disposed of? Me. Mama said I was to decide. Are you starting that talk again? You're just a little boy. Well, I don't care. You can't have Jane. I'll see the sheriff about this. Nobody's going to deprive me of my right to do my Christian duty. You wait here. I'll be right back. Jimmy, we've got to get this thing settled quick. Come on. Kirk, you better get right over to the Kramers. They're expecting you. I don't want to go. You'll like it at the Kramers. Mrs. Kramer's got a banjo. You can play duets with her on your fiddle. I want to stay with you and Jimmy. Now, don't be a crybaby. Annabelle and Elizabeth didn't cry. They didn't? Goodbye. Goodbye, Kirk. Goodbye, Kirk. What are you going to do with Jimmy? I'm going to take her up to Berlin like I told Mrs. Runyon. Berlin's 12 miles. I'll skate up the river and pull Jane on the sled. You... You going to stay up there, Robbie? Sure. I'm going to work. There's a logging camp just five miles out of town. Think they'd have some work for me? Mama wouldn't like it if you didn't finish the sixth grade, Jimmy. You'd go to the Ravens like we figured. Did you talk to him yet? No. But I, I don't have to. They'll take me in. Mrs. Raiden's always said she wished she had a boy like me. You like him all right, don't you? I like him all right. Then what's the matter? All those girls, Adelaide, Mildred, Penelope, and Mark, I can just hear them. This is our new brother. Ain't he cute? <laughs> well, ain't you cute? No. <laughs> well, 
Guess I'd better get over to the Raidens. So long, Jamie. Dog. She said dog again, did you hear? Yeah. She said it fine. Will you skate down once in a while, Robbie? Sure. Every chance I get. You see that you don't start wearing dresses with all those girls around. You shut up. Well, so long. So long, Jimmy. Now, Janie, you're going to have a nice, long sleigh ride. Look, Janie, those men got a fire. They're fishing through the island. Hey, mister, how far from here to Berlin? Eight miles, kids. Thanks. Hold her every minute, kids. We'll never make it. We'll make it. We've got us. Don't cry, Janie. We only got a few miles more. Anything's better than living with old Crowface. Wake up, Jane. We made it. It's Berlin. Now we'll find you a nice place to live. Someplace on the street, there ought to be a home just right for you. Look, there's a house with a Christmas tree inside. If they got a Christmas tree, they must have kids, Jane. Let's take a peek in their window. like nice folks, Jane. They got two boys and a little girl. That's just about right. smallest of them, Jane, was safe in the hands of the Clarys, Robbie said goodbye and walked up to the lumber camp in the woods, where he became a helper and later a logger in his own right. He always kept tabs on his brothers and sisters, though their lives took them far apart. As each grew up, he took on the characteristics and absorbed the points of view of his foster parents. But there was one thing that was notable about them. There was always something poignant in their love for each other. Because they had nothing but that love in common. But that was having almost everything. players for this true story. We are happy to announce that Edmund Granger is making a motion picture of tonight's story, The Day They Gave Babies Away. It'll star Bobby Driscoll as to be released by RKO Radio Pictures. And now, we'd like to present the author of the original story we dramatized tonight, Dale Unson. I'm very grateful to the DuPont Cavalcade of America for broadcasting The Day They Gave Babies Away. I uh, had a particular reason for writing this story and wanting you to hear it. Robbie was my father. Good night and thank you. Thank you, Mr. Unson. And now here's Bill Hamilton speaking for the DuPont Company. Every company is people. Men and women who, with their knowledge and skill, turn out the products or provide the services their neighbors need. The DuPont Company, our DuPont family as we think of it, consists today of more than 85,000 Americans. 
in their homes as in yours, the lights that sparkle tonight are holiday lights. The thoughts that shine tonight are holiday thoughts. Let us send some of those kindly thoughts winging through the air to you. Christmas knows no climate in this wide land of ours. The snow lies white in Bangor, Miami's bright with flowers. High above Los Angeles, old Baldy gleams with snow, and oranges shine like ornaments in the fragrant groves below. In Detroit tonight, the lights wink bright on trees that mark the season. In Charleston, poinsettias grow and glow for the same reason. Broad and deep is America. Different are its places. Different are its people. Their faces, yes, the races. But all of us can share one gift beneath the Christmas tree. America, our land itself. Our land where men are free. This is the gift we have from God. The blessing we all cherish. Freedom. Priceless freedom. Never may it perish. We wish that we might take your hand and join in friendly meeting, but this must be our Christmas card. Our DuPont family's greeting. Your happiness, your health, good cheer, with an extra wish for a, a happy new year. Next week, the star of the DuPont cavalcade will be Ethel Waters. Our play, Sixteen Sticks in a Bundle, tells the heartwarming story of an American family. Be sure to listen. Tonight's DuPont Cavalcade, The Day They Gave Babies Away, starring Bobby Driscoll, was transcribed. It was adapted by Frank Gabrielson from the book of the same title by Dale Unson, published by Farrar, Strauss, and Young. Music was composed by Arden Cornwell, conducted by Donald Voorhees. The program was directed by John Zoller. This is Cy Harris speaking. Don't forget next week, our star, Ethel Waters. The DuPont Cavalcade of America is sponsored by the DuPont Company of Wilmington, Delaware. Makers of better things for better living through chemistry. Next, Hollywood Theater stars Alan Ladd on NBC. That was Cavalcade of America. I'm Warren Hughes, and may the good Lord Jesus Christ bless you. And this is Yesterday USA. Right, Char, and don't forget about the live coverage of the Friends of Old Time Radio Show Convention in Newark, New Jersey, Thursday, October 19th through Sunday, October 2nd. Visit our website, www.yesterdayusa.com. Right down there on the bottom, it says Live Show Schedule. Click there, and you'll find out the latest information on when to listen to our live broadcast. And that's where we'll be talking about our coverage of the Friends of Old Time Radio Show convention live coverage October 19th through the 22nd of October in Newark, New Jersey. Walton will be there. Kim will be there and our own Dr. Dale Lukatich. Yesterday USA Superstation. Hello everybody, Bill Bragg coming your way here with a special reminder about the Yesterday USA auction. It's going to be here before you know it, the last Sunday night of November. You know, it kind of works like the Christmas party down at the office. You know how that works. Everybody buys one gift and then everybody uh, gets one gift. Well, that's what we're asking you to do for the auction, the last Sunday night of November. Just pick out something, anything that you'd like that's in good taste, that's easy to mail in, send it in. And then meet us back here the last 
last Sunday night of November and buy something back. Now the proceeds go to pay for those big ticket items, those emergencies that we have around here. You know, just like you have emergencies, so do we. And we like to take care of ourselves and have something in reserve in case there's an emergency. We also use it for the special events that we bring your way, like the live broadcast from the old-time radio show conventions. That's what happens. We're depending on you. The normal support that you send in will not cover those big-ticket items that we have to buy and replace from time to time, and it will not allow us to go out on the road and broadcast from remote locations. So we are depending on you. Just send something in. Anything, going to places like Walmart, national stores, buying a gift certificate. A gift certificate is perfect. People can spend it any way they like at any store. So why don't you do something? Pick out something that's in good taste, drop it in the mail to us, and do so as quickly as possible so that Kim can get it listed on our website. The auction will be here before you know it, the last Sunday night of November. And I won't sleep well until I know that we have enough items for a successful auction. So please, do it for me. I'd appreciate it. Here's the mailing address. It's 2001, that's 2001, Plymouth Rock Drive, Richardson, Texas, R-I-C-H-A-R-D-S-O-N. The zip code is 75081-USA. I'm dependent on you. There's nothing like the face of a kid eating a Hershey bar. There's nothing like it you'll ever see. A face as happy as it can be. There's nothing like the face of a kid when he's munching on the greatest taste around. Hershey, the great American chocolate bar. There's nothing like the face of a kid when he's munching on the greatest taste around. Corporation offices are listed in your telephone book. 98! 98! 98! It's here now. New 98 Super Premium at the red, white, and blue Ingram sign. Power plus economy at your friendly Ingram oil dealers now. Here's a man that really appreciates that new Ingram power. Take a tip from me, Colin Hill of the Chicago Bay. I'm a professional practice saver, and the red, white, and blue Ingram disc is the best catch ever made. You can get Ingram's new 98 Super Premium Gasoline at your friendly Ingram dealers today. This is another forward step by Ingram, a company that is producing for the present and planning for the future. Remember, you get power plus economy when you fill your car with Ingram's new 98 Super Premium. Watch for the Ingram sign. Get more gold for your dough with Ingram's new 98 Super Premium at the white Ingram pump with the red top. Get Ingram 98 platinum treated gasoline at these friendly Ingram dealers. You know the way prices have been soaring the last few years. Now, who could blame you if you jump to the conclusion that international sterling prices have risen too? But here's the wonderful thing about international sterling. Prices have not gone up. Other leading silver people have raised their prices, but your favorite international sterling pattern costs the same today as in 1944. Why, do you know you can save $20 by getting eight play settings in an international sterling pattern like Spring Glory rather than some other sterling? Yes, sir. And with that $20, you could buy eight additional teaspoons. This is international sterling, mind you. Solid silver that is artist-designed, created and finished in jewel-like detail at the hands of master craftsmen. See it at your international sterling dealers. Choose it with pride. Cherish it always. For the solid silver with beauty that lives forever is international sterling. Well, men, 
Now you know how to become an irresistible hit with the ladies. Just fix yourself up a good horoscope. Uh-uh. Do what I did. Get yourself a job in Mr. Jonathan's silverware store selling international sterling spring gory pattern. Gosh, Mr. Smith, I can't keep the ladies away. Well, I should hope not. Spring Glory is one of the loveliest patterns international sterling has ever created. Boy, do those gals love me. I bring out my velvet mat and put down a knife, fork, and spoon in the Spring Glory pattern. Then I point out the unusual features, like the open work on the handle, and the way it unfolds into one perfectly carved flower. Why, Mr. Smith, I have those women hanging on my every word. Yes, especially when you mention the price, I imagine. For international sterling alone among leading silver people has not raised prices since 1944. Yeah, I guess what you mean, Mr. Smith, that it's that uh, it isn't irresistible me. It's irresistible international sterling that brings all those women into Mr. Jonathan's silverware store. Well, all I know is that no woman can ever resist the solid silver with beauty that lives forever, and that's international sterling. Here's a message of importance to millions of people who are continually pale and washed out, weak and run down. Doctors will tell you that these conditions are often caused by a deficiency of iron, the iron you need to build healthy blood, to keep your body function properly, and to keep you physically fit and mentally alert. Ironized yeast tablets provide you with a simple and effective way to get the daily iron your body requires. 